0: people tend to be a little skeptical about the value of networking with peers, but peers can be some of the most powerful people in your network. Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. All right, let's get right into it. Thank you all so much for your patience. I got a new phone last week and apparently my new phone does not like my AirPods very much. So I appreciate all of your patience and I'm so glad that all of you are here. We're going to have a great time today talking about networking and getting helping you resolve some of the challenges that you might around networking and doing it in a way that is authentic and efficient and effective. And I'm really excited to jump into things. And I really want to start by thinking about what you are trying to get out of networking, because that's a really important aspect of how you network from a strategic perspective, but also how you bring the authenticity to the way that you network. Are you looking to switch jobs? Are you looking to learn more about your corner of the compensation market? Are you looking to find a mentor? Are you looking to build skills? Are you looking for opportunities to build your professional brand? All of those are fantastic goals to have for networking and they're going to adjust the way that you approach networking so that it's effective, efficient, and authentic. And so um, I'd love to share with you a few of the things that I'm doing to build my network because it is a really important thing for all of us, including myself. And we're going to circle back to a lot of the topics in today's session. So one of the things that I'm doing is paying a lot of attention to the people who've already achieved the professional goals I've set for myself. I'm studying them, for lack of a better word, to see if there are qualities or approaches or activities that I can replicate in the way I'm building my career. I would recommend that you think about that as well when you're thinking about networking. I'm also scheduling time to take action on what I learn and treating it like a non-negotiable task on my to-do list. So I'm making a little bit of progress every week because networking is a long game. Building your professional brand is a long game. It's not something that usually has overnight results. It's something that you do a little bit at a time over time and then get great results because of that consistency. And so scheduling it, making sure that it's something that you're doing regularly is really important. Another thing that I'm also doing is Making a point of noticing when I feel hang-ups around doing my networking. Sometimes I feel intimidated or overwhelmed or anxious about it. Even I, a career coach who spends lots of time telling other people how important it is to network, still get hung up on things. It's totally normal. But I'm able to identify the source of the hangup and then push through it so I can take action on my checklist and reap the benefits of having a robust professional network. And so that's what I want for you. I don't want you to think that there's some magic solution to the hangups that people can have around networking, because there is no magic solution that makes those hangups go away. But there are some solutions to resolving those hangups or modulating them down a little bit so that you can take action, even though you're feeling a little bit of challenge around networking. So with that, let's jump into some of the most common hangups people have around networking and what you can do to push past them when they rear their ugly heads. And then we'll step back and give you some tools for being strategic, efficient, and authentic when you network. And then lastly, we'll close with a strategy that will help you do this consistently and sustainably over time. And then I'll take any questions that you all have. If, you, if anything comes up while um, we're going through this sort of information part of today's session, Feel free to shoot me a DM, or you can wait until the Q&A section uh, toward the last half of our talk today, and you can come up on stage and ask me the question live. Totally up to you. You can come via DM, or you can um, come on stage. So let's start with those most common hang-ups, because at the end of the day, we want you to take action, and if you have a hang-up, you're not going to take action. The first two hang-ups are overwhelm and indecision. There are so many things that you can do to build your network and it can be hard to figure out where to start. And for most people, when they're overwhelmed with too many options, they do nothing, which is just about the worst thing you can do because you can't make progress without taking action. So what should you do if overwhelm or indecision is keeping you from taking action? First, let go of the idea that making the air quotes right choice Uh, And instead, commit to doing something. Now, I'll say this a lot in today's session is that it's important to develop a bias toward action, a tendency to doing something over nothing. Because doing something doesn't really have a downside. Best case scenario, do you build a connection that helps you move forward? Worst case scenario is that you get some information that helps you reorient and readjust so that your next action is more effective. But doing nothing just keeps you where you are. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or indecisive about networking because there are too many options or you're not sure which one is the right one, say to yourself, doing something is better than nothing. I'm just going to try something and then just try something. Another big hang up people have is embarrassment. I've worked with a lot of career coaching clients who find networking embarrassing, sometimes because they think that if you're good at what you do. You shouldn't need to shout about yourself. People should just know. And they worry that if they go around introducing themselves to people, talking about what they're able to do, asking for support, asking for favors, it's just going to make them look really tasteless or worse, make people suspicious of whether they're actually good, as good as they say that they are. The bat is a manifestation of the psychological phenomenon you may have heard of called the spotlight effect which is where people tend to think they're being noticed and scrutinized more than they really are. It's actually very difficult for us to notice each other because we spend most of our time thinking about ourselves. So the people with opportunities that you want to connect with and yet you want to see you may not see you simply because they're too busy looking inward about the things that are important to them to notice how great you are and how you could be helpful to them. So you have to tap on the window and say, hey, check me out. I can add value to your team or your organization. I can help you achieve your goal. I would love to have a conversation with you, which brings us to the biggest hang up of all, anxiety. It is very normal to be afraid that outreach might result in rejection because in many cases, it will. Not everyone you reach out to is going to enthusiastically agree to have that meeting or to make that introduction. So the idea of being rejected brings up a primal fear for us. Now, we live in an advanced civilization, but we still have caveman brains. Our hunter-gatherer ancestors needed community to survive. We didn't have sharp teeth or tough skin or poisonous venom. We only had each other. So back then, being rejected from the group literally meant death. And so that primal fear of rejection still lives inside us and has a huge impact on how we navigate life. And when it comes to networking, that fear of rejection often gets us to avoid the work. It makes us procrastinate. So how do you get around that fear of rejection, that anxiety around being rejected? Well, there's two things. First, you want to get in the habit of reframing rejection. Sometimes rejection is someone actually saying no. They might respond and say no. No. And that's an opportunity to re examine your methods and maybe learn from them, maybe try something different. Did you reach out to the right person? Did you pitch yourself the right way? Did you ask for the right thing? Did you ask for the right thing in the right way? If you get a no, don't beat yourself up. Just iterate on your approach and keep going. That said, most of the time, rejection is actually silence and we interpret it as rejection. Silence is not necessarily a no and it's not necessarily a rejection. There are so many reasons why you might not hear back from someone. They might be on vacation, The email might have gone to spam. They might have read the message and forgot to respond. They might not check LinkedIn very often. They might have been too busy to take on something non-essential. Those aren't rejections. And it's much kinder to give yourself permission to believe that one of these much more likely scenarios is actually to blame for the silence. So if you get silence, try following up later or moving on to someone else. You just don't want to give up. You just don't want to stop because at the end of the day, networking is a long game. And if you stop taking action on your networking plan, you're not going to reap the benefit of a, having a good network. So again, at the end of the day, networking is about facilitating growth and change in your career. So if you want growth and change in your career, you have to get good at identifying which hangups are hampering your progress and how to get around them. So we talked about how to handle overwhelm, how to handle indecision, embarrassment, and anxiety so you can unlock action. And so if you joined a little late and missed us talking about those, I encourage you to come back for the replay by visiting my profile after the session is over. And of course, you can ask me questions via DM or come on stage in a bit to ask a question live. So let's talk very quickly about some ways to be super strategic about your networking so that your action is effective and it feels like something you want to keep doing because it drives results for you. Then we'll talk about making your strategy sustainable so you can be consistent about working on it and that you feel comfortable making a little bit of space for it regularly in your personal or professional life. So let's start with who you should be reaching out to because not knowing who to reach out to is a big reason why people get overwhelmed with networking. I like to recommend creating a list of 100 targets that you can prioritize as you are doing your networking. And I call this Career 100, which is uh, actually an adaptation of a marketing strategy that many of you who are in sales organizations may have heard of called Dream 100. Now, Dream 100 was invented in the 80s by this salesperson named Chet Holmes, and he worked in newspapers and he was in, in the marketing department in the advertising part- department. and. He was always uh, doing all of these cold calls, and he got sick of doing all of these random cold calls and not hearing back from people and getting rejected by people. And so he decided that he was going to be really strategic about the way that he did his cold calling. And he focused on 100 clients that would be an absolute dream for him that would transform his entire sales experience, his whole uh, sales uh, situation. And that's what he called his Dream 100. And he worked really hard just on those 100 people and focused all of his marketing efforts and all of his sales efforts around attracting those 100 dream clients. And he didn't get all 100 of the dream clients, but he was able to get a lot of them. And the ones that he was able to get made really, really, really big results for him. He was also able to attract some clients that were similar to the folks who were on his Dream 100 list, but weren't necessarily on that list. And those folks that he were, was able to attract that were similar also drove really big results for him. Now, this is a sales and marketing technique, and it is very effective, but it gets very adaptable to networking and building your career. You can develop a list of 100 dream targets for you if you want to have that would make a big difference in your career if you were able to you know, have a real conversation, have a deep relationship, have a lot of knowledge from one of your, uh, one of your 100 targets. And that really narrows in who you need to be reaching out to with your networking. It makes it very easy to um, ignore some of the distractions and focus in that if someone's on your 100 list, if a company or a person is on your 100 list, you can focus on them. And if they're not, you can ignore them. And so that helps with the overwhelm and the indecision because at the end of the day, working on any of the folks on your 100 list is gonna help you move forward. Now, 100 might sound like a really scary number, So I like to break it out into five different buckets. So the first bucket is going to be companies you want to work for. Um, The second bucket would be hiring managers, people who would manage the kinds of jobs that you are interested in moving into. Peers, so people who are doing the kind of work that you do now at the level that you currently do it. Mentors, people who are not necessarily hiring managers, but folks that you could really learn from. And then thought leaders. People who are performing in your function at the very highest level, people that you aspire to be at a similar level in in 3, 5, 10, 15 years. All five of those buckets are going to be ways to organize the way that you network so that it doesn't feel as overwhelming and it doesn't you don't have as much trouble with indecision. And between those five buckets, you can allocate your own 100 across them and fill those buckets up until mm, you're not really getting any inspiration. But I promise that if you think about it that way, it's not gonna take you long to figure out what 100 you wanna start with. And then it's just about doing the work. Um, getting out there on a regular basis and making sure to put a little bit of time and effort into your networking. And I like to think about this in terms of nickels, dimes, and quarters. When we think about investing money, it's not that we put a gigantic amount of money into our savings account or into our investments and then expect it to take off right away it's that we put in little smaller amounts of money regularly over time. And then as we put in that money, the interest compounds. And at the end of that period of time, we have a lot more money. Networking works exactly the same way, which is why I like to think about it as nickels, dimes, and quarters. So nickels are five-minute tasks, something that just takes five minutes to do. Dimes are 10-minute tasks, something that just takes 10 minutes to do. And surprise, quarters, 25 minutes. And so if you think about If I only have five minutes or if I am not feeling super motivated or if I'm feeling kind of overwhelmed, grabbing a task that only takes five minutes is going to be better than doing nothing. And so identifying ahead of time what those five, 10 or 25 minute tasks could be so that it's easy for you to figure out something that you can do with the time, the energy and the resources that you have at the time so that you're always doing something. You're always putting a little bit of change in the piggy bank. So that once you get to the end of a period of time, you have that compounding, you're moving forward, you're making progress. So the last thing that I want to talk about is how to network in a way that is efficient and authentic and effective. So one of the big things that you are going to be doing as you are networking is reaching out to people that you do not know. And that can be really challenging. It can be kind of um, intimidating to reach out to folks. And a lot of times people make the mistake of sending emails or sending LinkedIn messages or social media messages that are very ineffective. And so before we switch over to question, I want to quickly tell you about the way that I recommend reaching out to people when you are emailing or sending a social media message or um, sending a LinkedIn message. So the first thing you want to keep in mind is that people are busy and they are always thinking about what's the most efficient way for me to use my time that I'm making progress on the things that are important for me in my life, in my job, in my career. And so they don't have a lot of time to read giant novels, and they need to be bought into the idea that they should spend some time with your message very quickly, which means you need to make your message clear, concise, and most of all, customized. Once you get to a certain level where you start to receive messages from people who are looking to network from you, you really start to see a pattern with the folks who just pick you out of a lineup versus people who are really invested in you as a person who have taken some time to really learn about you and to write a message that is thoughtful. And those are the people that you're going to want to respond to. The people who are just pulling a template out of the air and they come off as lazy, you're not going to want to respond to them. And so for you, as you are networking, you want to make sure that that message is clear, concise, and customized so that the person who is receiving it feels like they should respond. And so you want to introduce yourself with a quick but compelling detail about who you are. You, don't want, to make, you want, don't want this to be generic. You want this to be pretty specific. And you want this detail to be something that they are going to be interested in, either because of their background or the kind of work that they do or the kind of company that they work for. You don't want to just say, hi, I'm Joe and I'm an accountant. You want to really find a detail that's going to be compelling to that person. And that requires doing a little bit of research about them ahead of time, which is also going to help you with the next thing that I recommend that you do. That you want to have some sort of, want to include some sort of detail that makes it clear that you have been paying attention to them. And so that could be noting something that's on this, something specific that's on their LinkedIn profile, or calling back to maybe a piece of press or a social media post that you've seen from them. Make it clear that you didn't pull them out of a lineup. And then in your next line, you want to ask a very simple question, something that they can answer via email. This is the place where people make the biggest mistakes when it comes to networking. It's usually the first thing they do is ask for time. Time is our most valuable asset, and we just we don't want to spend it on random people who reach out to us on the internet. But once we have a relationship with someone, once we feel like we, we like someone, then we're willing to spend some time on them. And so your goal with your initial outreach message should not be to get time with them, but to get a response. And the easiest way to get a response is to ask a a very simple question that they will be able to respond to easily via email. Because once they respond to you, then you can come back with another question, have a little bit of a conversation. That conversation can turn into a bit of a connection, which can turn into some time, which is probably the thing that you are most hungry for, for the folks that you are networking with. So start with asking a very simple question that's going to be easy for them to um, answer via email. Now, what that question should be is really going to depend on, you know, what you do, what your goals are, and how you think that person can help you. But something really, it could be as simple as, is there a book that you're reading right now that's really helpful or one that you would recommend? Who are you following on social media? What do you, what do you think is the next big thing in our industry? Those sorts of questions, usually people are going to have an opinion about, an opinion that they can respond in a few sentences about. And again, if you just get that first response, That opens up the situation so that you can build a relationship. And then, of course, you want to close out with some gratitude and then be patient. Again, there are lots of situations where you might end up with silence. Silence can mean a, a lot of different things. It usually doesn't mean rejection. But sometimes you can hear back from someone months later because they just didn't check their LinkedIn and then saw this really great message from you. So just be patient once you get that message out into the world. And if you follow up once and don't hear back, just keep moving on. Now, I talk a lot about reaching out on LinkedIn. I do want to quickly talk about reaching out on other social media platforms or via email. Depending on your, depending on your industry, some of the folks that you might be reach, me wanting to network with might be active on other social media platforms like Twitter or Instagram or here on Fishbowl. And so when you're reaching out on so other types of social media, you want to take some time to follow them and interact with their content first so that the first thing that they get from the signal that they get from you the first time they notice you is you interacting with them, you showing that you value them. And then once you've interacted a little bit, then send them that message. But use that same framework that I mentioned before, where you introduce yourself with a quick but compelling detail. You include some sort of compliment or detail that shows that you didn't pick them up out of a lineup. You ask a simple question that they can answer via email, and you say thank you. Now, with email, there are lots of tools out there that can help you find someone's email if you don't have it. But I really encourage you to treat email as a last resort. If you haven't been invited into somebody's inbox, landing in someone's inbox and they're not expecting you, you're going to have a really low likelihood of them reaching back out to you. I'm sure that we have all experienced maybe sales folks or marketing folks or random companies that have just somehow ended up in our inbox because they got our email address. And that feels a little bit like a violation. It feels a little gross when that happens. And so, you don't want to be the source of those sorts of feelings. And so, do try to reach out to someone on LinkedIn, on their other public social media that they're using for professional purposes before digging up their email and sending them an email. Another really great place to find connections are professional communities. We are so fortunate to be in the internet age where there are so many groups where people can come together and connect with each other. You have Fishbowl, of course, but there are also lots of. Facebook communities, LinkedIn communities, Slack communities where people are congregating around what they do. And that can be a really great place for you to network in a really authentic, casual way that makes it really easy for you to build connections. And then also think about professional organization. Um, Most professions do have some sort of professional organization that you can become a member of where they do some sort of programming where you can learn about the work that you're doing, build out your professional development and also build out your professional network. So check that out as well. Of course, we are starting to get to the point where in real life um, events are starting to happen more and more. And so if that's something that you feel comfortable with, that can be a really great place to build professional connections. But there are some mistakes that people make when they are networking in person that I want to talk about really quickly before we open it up to questions. So first, When you're introducing yourself to someone in real life at a conference, for example, you want to have your personal pitch ready. You really want to know what your elevator pitch is so that you can deliver that to someone and they can immediately know whether they want to keep having a conversation with you or keep the conversation going after the conference. And so for me, I am always ready with my personal pitch. I'm a leadership and career coach. I help leaders build sustainable workplaces and I help professionals find those workplaces so they can thrive that quick. And so I've taken some time to refine that and practice that over time. And that is why I can deliver it very quickly. But that puts me in a position where when I meet someone in real life in some sort of networking situation, I can deliver that pitch and they immediately know that I am, a, I could be a valuable ad to their network. Once you get that personal pitch out, you have a couple of, com- you have a little back and forth in your conversation. Make sure that you ask for their card or their contact info before you uh, move out. And make sure to take action on that right away. Don't wait until the end of the night. Right there, right when you have your phone out, send them a text message, send them an email, connect with them on social media and say, hey, I'm the, the career coach with the glasses and the afro. We talked about this. Hope to connect with you soon. A lot of times we'll get a big pile of cards at a conference and then wait until we get back um, to the office to start working through them. All of those people start to meld together. And then all the people whose cards you have everyone's melding together for them too. And so it's a lot harder to stand out if you wait until the end of the event versus when you do it right away. So with that said, we have covered quite a lot of ground. We've talked about hangups. We've talked about how to be strategic. We've talked about how to be effective. We've talked about places where you can find really great folks to network with and how to approach reaching out to them. Going back to Career 100 or Dream 100, finding those 100 targets to focus on when you are doing your networking. And remember, we talked about five buckets of folks that can, when added up, can be your Career 100 list companies that you want to work for, hiring managers that would supervise the kind of function that you do, peers who are at the same level and doing the kind of same kind of work as you're doing. Mentors, people who you would love to have a mentorship relationship with, and thought leaders, people who are at that very top of their game, who you uh, want to emulate, who you'd like to um, get closer to in terms of uh, where they are in their careers. I want to take a second to talk about the importance of peers, because that is an area where people tend to be a little skeptical about the value of networking with peers. But peers can be some of the most powerful people in your network. So people who are sort of at the same level as you are they are probably going to be a little bit less likely to receive the sorts of networking messages and networking conversations that folks have when they get to higher and higher levels in their organization. And so their response rate on peers is gonna be a lot higher. Another thing that can be really great about peers is that once you start building relationships with your peers and all of you are progressing in your career, sometimes that peer can end up becoming a much more powerful node in your network because of the way that their career grows. Maybe they leave the company they're currently at and then go to another company that happens to be your dream company. And because you started as a peer relationship and you had that network already, you have that little bit of a relationship already, it would be really easy for you to reach out to them and say, Hey, I'm interested in a role at your company. Would you be able to give me some intel? Would you be able to be willing to make an introduction? And that would be a lot easier to do because um, you already have that peer relationship. Another thing that can be really helpful about peers is that peers, are some of the best sources of compensation information. Now remember when at the top of our conversation we talked about the several goals that you can have when networking and certainly switching jobs and finding a mentor, it can be really helpful. But peers can really help you understand the compensation market. If they're doing similar work at a similar level, then you can have a conversation about like where your compensation is and where their compensation is and get some really good information there. Another thing that they can be really helpful with is with skill building that you might be able to teach or learn from each other. You might be able to give each other some direction in terms of where, what kinds of professional development investments might be valuable for each of you. And that's a much easier conversation to have with a peer. Accessing that kind of conversation is a lot easier with a peer than it is with someone who might be a hiring manager, someone you might aspire to have as a mentor, or someone that you might look up to as a thought leader. That's not to say that you shouldn't go after those other folks. But it's a lot easier to uh, build strong relationships with peers. And so I'd encourage you to take that bucket very seriously. So Jean asks, I'm currently not looking for a job, but how do I network? How do I work my networking pitch to the people in my dream company if I'm not actively looking but just want to connect? It's actually a lot easier to network when you don't really want anything. And so to structure your pitch, I would recommend asking for information along the lines of professional development. So you could say, let's say that you are a programmer and you have a dream company that you are targeting, not looking for a job, but you want to reach out and network with someone at a dream company you might send a message to a peer or to a hiring manager or to a potential mentor and say, hi, I'm Jean. I'm looking uh, forward to uh, building my career and and investing in my professional development. I've identified that JavaScript is a skill that is really important in the market right now for people who are doing the kind of work that I do. And I can see from your LinkedIn that that's an area where you have a lot of expertise. Would you be able to recommend a bootcamp or an accelerator that you find to be very credible? That's an easy question to answer for someone. If they have that kind of knowledge, they're going to be able to reply back really quickly and say, you know, I think XYZ Accelerator is really great. You should check them out. And then you get that reply that allows you to come back later. And when you come back later, you want to call back to the action that they gave you. And so if they said, go check out XYZ Accelerator, you want to go and check out XYZ Accelerator and then come back and say, I checked out XYZ Accelerator. It looks really interesting. I registered for an info session. I'm really excited. Thank you so much for giving me that recommendation. And then you can ask another question, another simple question that's easy for them to reply. And then you can see if you do that two, maybe three times, it feels more natural for you to say, would you be willing to have a 15-minute conversation with me to answer a couple more questions that I have? At this point, they've gone back and forth with you quite a bit. They have shown, they have seen you show like respect and appreciation for the time that they're putting into you. And so they would be more willing to put time into you. And so they're going to be willing to say yes to that 15 minute conversation, especially if you say a 15 minute conversation where I'd like to ask you these three questions, because that gives a lot of structure to the conversation and it makes it easy for them to think in their minds, okay, this is what I'm expecting this experience to look like. Because another thing that happens when you're networking with people who are on the more senior side is that they will have had quite a few situations where they were generous with their time and the person they were generous with didn't really show very much appreciation for that time. You know, maybe they set aside 30 minutes to talk to someone and they didn't show up. Or maybe they set, set, uh, set aside 30 minutes for someone and they were completely unprepared. And it was a, a sprawling conversation that really seemed to go nowhere. Or they set aside 30 minutes, and then the person kind of wouldn't let them get off the call, and it ended up being a 45-minute conversation, and they were late for the next meeting. So those sorts of situations make it to where people can be a little bit more defensive with their time. And so when you have that back and forth a few times, you've had that one question, then the second question, and the third question, then you say, hey, can I have 15 minutes? I'd like to ask you these three questions. You're making it very clear, I'm not asking for very much time from you, and the time I'm asking for has structure. It has intention. And I'm going to ask you these three questions. And if you feel like you can answer them in 15 minutes, this is going to be a good experience where I will continue to value the time that you are putting into me. Now, for Gene, who is looking to network at his dream company, but not so much looking for a job, that is a really great way to long game networking. Because let's say he networks with his dream company with a hiring manager, someone that if he was going to be looking for a job, that would be the person that he would probably report into. You could imagine that after those three exchanges and that 15-minute call, a job comes up six months later. Gene sees it on the company's website and sends that hiring manager a message. How likely is it that Gene's going to get an interview? Very, very, very high. And, you know, maybe that conversation, maybe that um, job doesn't come up six months from now. Maybe he just follows up again in three months, follows up again in six months to say, hey, thank you. I, I just finished the XYZ. Accelerator, and it was a really great experience. I'd love to show you the portfolio piece that I put together. All of those are things that help you move forward and demonstrate your value to someone who, to a hiring manager or a potential mentor, so that they are more likely to spend some time and to like dig in with you to help you move forward. One thing that we have heard that I have heard many of my career coaching clients feel a little bit hung up on is the difference between how you network with cold folks who you don't know at all. And how you network with folks that you know, but the relationship maybe has gone stale a little bit. Maybe it's been, maybe you met a a while ago and then you kind of never circled back. Or, you know, maybe you said you would circle back, but then you never did. What should you do? That can feel really awkward. I can understand how that might make folks feel a little bit anxious. But the truth is, things happen all the time where people can lose track of folks. And I'm sure you've received messages from folks where they've said, oh my gosh, this got lost in my inbox. So sorry about that. Time got away from me. Those sorts of like, go ahead and acknowledge the gap in the time and then pick up exactly where the conversation left off. So let's say you had a a really great conversation with someone at a conference. You got their business card and you um, sent them a message and they said, hey, yeah, like I've been really enjoyed talking to you too let's stay in touch and then you never responded back. It would be really easy for you to respond back and say, time's really flown since the last time we uh, met at that conference. I'd love to just hear how things are going for you. That's really simple way to rekindle that conversation and to um, move it forward. Another area where people can sometimes have questions about networking how to network with hiring managers who they've had interviews with. So we pro- all, so many of us have had the experience where you have you know, gone up for a job and you've gone through a few interviews, but you didn't make it all the way to the finish line. Those hiring managers can be really great people to add to your professional network. And so if you had that sort of experience and did not go ahead and connect with them on LinkedIn, you can still do that. And so you can find that person on LinkedIn and send them a message and say, acknowledge that you didn't get the role. So you can say, It was really great to meet you a few months ago to learn about operations coordinator position. I hope that the person that you ended up hiring is working out really well. Here are some of the things that I'm thinking about to invest in my professional development right now. I'm curious if you have any books to recommend or any uh, people that you like to follow on social media or a newsletter that you like to follow that could be helpful in building my skills in that area. Again, hope everything is going well and would love to stay in touch. That's a really great email to receive as a hiring manager. And that is, and again, that request is very simple. You're asking for a newsletter to sign up for, or uh, someone to follow on social media, or a book to read. Really easy thing where if somebody has an answer to that, they're going to reply really easily and reply quickly and say, Yeah, I do have this particular book. It's fantastic. You should give it a read. And again, that gives you the opportunity to take action on their suggestion, come back and, you know, in a little bit of time and say, you know, I took action on your your suggestion. Here's some evidence on that. Like link to uh, if you they said to follow somebody on Twitter, link to a tweet that you thought was fantastic. And, you know, maybe say a sentence or two about how that message impacted you or impacted the way that you think. That can be a really great way to take that um, hiring manager relationship that might feel a little uncomfortable because, oh, I didn't get the job. And turn that into something that could be really powerful for you later on down the line. Because that hiring manager who didn't hire you then might hire you for another role that they op- that opens up later on down the line. Or they might switch jobs to another company and think, oh yeah, that person was really great and I have an open role in my team. Let me reach out to them. Your ability to get that outreach is going to be a lot higher if you've done a little bit of this networking than if you haven't. So another thing that people can get kind of hung up on and maybe uh, forget about and then feel a little bit embarrassed about is the work that is worth doing ahead of time to make sure that the way that you show up on social media and the way that you show up on LinkedIn or any other platforms that you use for professional uh, for the way for your professional brand, making sure that those are really solid. When you are doing cold outreach to folks where, you know, they haven't, uh, um, you know, reached out to you and haven't had any interaction with you in the past, one of the things that they're often going to do before they respond to your email is to check you out. Now, if you send a message on LinkedIn, the the easy way for them to check you out is just going to be to click on your avatar and see what your LinkedIn says. And so you're going to want to, if you're going to want to build your network, you do want to start with sort of your home base. What's your digital home base? which is for everyone is going to be LinkedIn. And so make sure that your LinkedIn is really solid, that you have a good photo of yourself, that you have a nice cover photo. That cover photo is one that people often forget and that your job history has actual descriptions in it. A lot of folks will just put in the work that they did and the time that they were there and the company and that's it. But if there's no descriptions there, it becomes really difficult for the person to assess who you are, and whether they should respond back to you. But if you have really robust descriptions that do a really great job of highlighting all of your skills and your accomplishments and what makes you really special, it can be easy for that person to say, oh, wow, this is someone that I should respond to. And that paired with the nice, clear, concise, customized email that you sent makes it really easy for them to respond so that you can have that back and forth. And so really think about Taking some time, maybe a five minute goal for you today is to go to your LinkedIn and to check your profile photo and to upload a cover photo. Your cover photo, the default cover photo is the biggest visual element on the LinkedIn profile page. And so if you just have a placeholder there, if you don't actually have an image there, you are giving up a really great opportunity to make a fantastic first impression when someone lands on your profile. And so a really great five-minute task, maybe a 10-minute task, depending on how complicated you want it to be, would be to find an image on a stock photo website like Unsplash or to build an image for yourself on a graphic design platform like Canva, something that you can put in that LinkedIn cover image area so that you are giving a really great first impression to the folks that you are networking with when they check you out. Another thing to think about is, you know, what else is normal in terms of having a digital home base for your industry? And so I spent a lot of time in the news industry. And so lots and lots of journalists are active on Twitter. And also a lot of journalists have portfolio websites. And so when I work with career coaching clients who are looking to focus on networking and they're in the news industry, something that we know is that having a good LinkedIn is important. But also having a good Twitter account is going to be important. And having a portfolio website that shows the kind of work that you've done in the past is also a really great idea. And the people who are operating at the very highest levels in the news industry, the journalists who are really killing it, they do have pretty solid presences on all three platforms. And so when you're thinking about networking and you're looking to move forward on building your network and getting some momentum there, it can be useful to use some of your nickels, dimes, and quarters and invest those into your digital home base. And so what those platforms might be for you in your career, where in your industry might be different. You know, you might need to invest in GitHub or you might need to invest in Behance. There are lots of more niche platforms that are really important to a particular industries but not, might not be as important outside of that industry and so I would encourage you to think about your digital home base and do put take little investments here and there in terms of polishing it up now if you are the kind of type A person who's going to sit down and revamp your entire LinkedIn in one sitting, that's totally fine but you also can just break it into pieces you can do your profile photo one day and your cover photo another day and you're about section another day, and then job number one, another day, and job number two, another day, really breaking it out so that it doesn't feel intimidating or overwhelming. And that is the way that I recommend to all of my clients who are looking to invest in their um, digital home base is to break that project into tiny pieces so it doesn't feel overwhelming and that you're not overly focused on getting everything perfect, which is another thing that I'd love to touch on when it comes to digital home base, which is that it's never going to be perfect. You're always going to have a little bit of tweaking here and there that you could do to make it better. Even when I go to my LinkedIn profile today, there are a bunch of things that I can see that, oh, I would love to improve that. That's an opportunity. That's something I could do a little bit better. And so it's not about making it perfect. It's about making it a little bit better every time you decide to edit your profile to, to find a way to improve it. And so don't forget to build out your home base. Now, One of the things that people can get overwhelmed with when it comes to building out your home base is, what do you even say? How do you describe yourself in this about section? How do I describe myself in this job description section? What do I say on the about page on my portfolio website? Well, if you are from marketing, if you are from advertising, then you're going to be probably going to be familiar with copy mining. Copy mining is the idea where you go out into the market and you find either competitors who are similar to you or you find your customers, the people who you are trying to sell the thing to, and you see how they are talking about the problem that they're trying to solve or the solution that they're bringing to the market. And you use that information to craft copy that is going to work for you as you describe your product or service. Now, we absolutely can adapt that to our careers. There are job descriptions, there are careers pages, there are about pages for your dream companies. All of those are full of words that you can steal and adapt and use to describe yourself. And so thinking about your about page, if you, the, your about section on your LinkedIn, go and find some other folks who are who do similar work to you. How do they describe themselves? What, a, can you borrow a little piece of this one and a little piece of that one and a little piece of that one to put something together that feels very authentic to you? but it's also really interesting and compelling to others. So how are you going to describe yourself for the descriptions of the jobs that you're going to have on your LinkedIn? Well, get online and find some job descriptions that are similar to that particular job. Now, you don't have to be interested in applying for those jobs, and those companies don't even need to be companies that you would be excited to work at. The thing that's interesting about grabbing copy from job descriptions is that they are written by recruiters and hiring managers. And so they are written in the language that recruiters and hiring managers use to think about talent. And so if you use similar language in the way that you describe yourself, when they land on your profile, they're gonna say, ah, okay, this is the kind of person that I wanna be talking to. And so get, uh, you know, if you are a graphic designer and you want to find and you want to uh, upgrade the description area for your LinkedIn, go and find some job descriptions for graphic designers and look at the way that they describe the impact that that graphic designer is supposed to have, the kinds of tasks and projects that they are responsible for, the kinds of results that they're supposed to drive and the kinds of qualifications or traits that are important for that particular graphic designer to be successful at that particular, in that job, in that particular company. There'll be certain aspects of that that resonate with you and the work that you do or the work that you've done in the past or who you are as a person. And there are certain parts that are not going to, and that's okay. You can use all of these job descriptions as a buffet, grab the things that feel good, leave the things that don't feel so good. And at the end of the day, you will end up with a description that is really well optimized for hiring managers and recruiters because it is created from the kinds of language that recruiters and hiring managers use. The last thing that I want to speak to is those of you who might be on the call who are women, who are people of color, who are non-binary folks, who come from underrepresented backgrounds, I can't stress enough how important it is for folks from underrepresented backgrounds to network. Because a lot of times what happens when there's a big gap between what folks from underrepresented backgrounds are able to achieve and the kinds of opportunities that they have access to and folks who are from more majority cultures or more majority backgrounds, those folks tend to have built-in networks. And so you have to work a little bit harder to build a new network for yourself. If that's not something that you were born into or ended up going to a particular school and having a network handed to you or working at a particular company where you were able to sort of step into a network, it can be a little bit, you might feel heightened levels of anxiety or heightened levels of scrutiny in terms of the way that you interact with folks in a networking capacity. I would really, really, really encourage you to push through that anxiety and just try. And a lot of times, another way to make that a little bit easier for you is to see if there are professional communities online that are aligned with your particular background. So for example, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that I have a news background and I'm a Black woman. There is a community online called Journalists of Color where journalists are able to come together and those who are uh, journalists of color are able to come together in this community and talk about being journalists. And so it's a lot easier for me to network in that space because I don't really have to worry so much about what it means for me to network as a black woman. And so if you are from an underrepresented background and you're finding a lot of anxiety around your identity and networking, I would encourage you to start by finding a professional community that's aligned with your background and get to know folks who are in that community with you. And so with that, um, we are just about out of time today. I would love to challenge you to take one small step today to build your network. Just take five minutes to identify one person you'd like to reach out to in the future, or Google a professional organization or a professional association or a professional community that you can join to build your network. That only takes five minutes, and that five-minute investment could be the beginning of a huge change for you that could completely change your life. So just get started. Now, if you have further questions, or if you just want to chat a little bit more about networking or about other career-related things, please talk more. I'd love to talk to you some more. Drop me a DM. I'd be happy to personally help you with your networking challenges. And if you want support with your overall career strategy, head over to my website, com. The link is on my profile. Thank you all so much for being here, and happy networking. That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening to Hardly Working. Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and, who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you soon!